Thank you so much for tuning in to the Providence Community Podcast. We just, we pray today that God would do amazing things in your heart as you listen to this message. And uh, we ask for just the richest blessing on your family. And if you would like some more information about Providence Community Church, you can go to www.providencecommunity.org or you can also download our app in the App Store. We're so thankful that you tuned in and uh, we can't wait to celebrate all that God does in your life. So good, guys. Well, happy Palm Sunday. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. So good uh, to see you all. Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18 and Luke chapter 19. I'm going to preach uh, both of these chapters word by word, thought by thought, uh, you know, and it's going to be a good three, four hours. It's going to be so good here. Uh, yeah, it's just we're, we're not going to want to go. We're going to keep bathing in it. We're going to get fined by the school, all right? Uh, but somebody will pay for that. Uh, no, uh, turn to Luke chapter 18 uh, and 19. Just put your finger there. I just want to, here's, here's what I want to tell you up front, what God has on my heart to do this morning. Is I just, in these, pa- these passages of Scripture, this is where Jesus sets uh, his course from where he's at to Jerusalem, and he's going to Jerusalem to die. And this is the journey of Jesus setting his court, and he's going to die. Luke 18 and 19 is that journey. And so just briefly, we're not going to uncover every stone, so to speak, but I do just want us to see the greatness of Jesus. And when I say greatness of Jesus, I don't just mean we see some nice, great things in him. When I say greatness of Jesus, I mean that he, he's the greatest, There's some things that are okay, and there's some things that are good, but there's some things that are great. And when you say great, it means the great, they're in a league all their own. They're they're out of everyone else's league. We talk about Jesus often, like he's he's pretty great, just like like a five guys double is pretty great. It's pretty great. We talk about Jesus like he's pretty great, just like, you know, the NCAA tournament was pretty great. But I'm just saying that Jesus is in a league of his own. And he wants to occupy that place in our hearts that nothing else can fill. I want us to see that. But I want to talk about the, kind of the, the problem of not seeing that first, if you have a few minutes. Do you have a few? Can I tell you a story? Some of you might have already heard it. Um, I know I've shared it before. But I, uh, Google was sending me pictures from when my kids were really little and making me sad. And I was getting all sentimental. And I was thinking about when my kids were just teeny little little squishies. And I used to hold them. I, I could hold them here. Now my son holds me, all right? Uh, and we're, and it's, it's a whole different story. Now, when, when your son and you can swap shoes, you know, they're, they're not squishy anymore. You know, I miss that. Uh, but I was remembering this, this uh, vacation that my, my family and I were on at the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I don't know if you've ever gone to the Outer Banks, but keep driving south if you ever do, and come to this little place called Buxton, all right? Um, and uh, there's this little hole-in-the-wall bakery called the Orange Blossom Cafe um, that, uh, the, I'll just say it this way, the food's so good, they don't need to clean the place, all right? If you sit at the table, the tables are all sticky. You've got to use wrenches and stuff to get your hand. There's, there's dead bugs around. There's no AC. But the food is so good that people just don't care because they specialize in this thing called 
Apple Uglies, all right? An Apple Ugly is like an apple fritter about the size of the football. It weighs as much as Thor's hammer, okay? I'm telling you right now. I'm like, you got a whole family has to, has to get that thing into the car, and then you need four-wheel drive to take it home. I'm telling you, this is how, this is how big and heavy it's just, it's just, you feel horrible after you eat it, but, but you feel like you have been raptured while you're eating it, all right? And it is just, it is just so, so good. And I remember, um, we, there's always a line, and so you have to place your order, then you wait in this nasty, uh, dead, bug-ridden, sticky kind of horrible, non-air-conditioned place, eagerly waiting for your Apple Ugly to come. And uh, here's where my uh, memory came in, is when my family was waiting on one such occasion, we only, we ordered like a good dozen of these things, and uh, <laughs> yeah, is there anything about gluttony in here? I don't know, is there a... Uh, I, I, hopefully not. Uh, the, but uh, I remember what we're waiting, and um, my daughter, Lena, was about two, may, maybe three, but I think she was two at the time. This is a few years ago. And I remember we're waiting, and she, she stands, and the whole place is packed. It's packed, packed. Imagine, like, a, 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 not a, a, a medium-sized living room, just like wall-to-wall. Everyone's waiting and sweating, you know? No one's happy. But she stands on a chair and begins to sing, Jesus loves me to the top of her lungs. And it's one of these angelic little, little girl voices. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible. She's really going for it. And it's, it's so interesting. Uh, uh, one pl- uh, a place that was full of hustle and bustle and stress and frustration. Say, I ordered before they did. And I ordered before they did. And why is it taking so long? Suddenly turned into like this, this, uh, this holy moment as my little daughter sang over these people the love of Jesus. I remember she, uh, the, um, it's, I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is kind of how I remember it, like, like dads were kind of taking their hats off their head and they were just like doing this. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, kids, everyone was like turning, just like really giving attention to this little girl standing on a chair. My two older kids uh, wanted me to, to stop it, but I couldn't. I was just like, wow, I, what's happening here? Is this the heart of an evangelist? My, my, my wife was just, you know, encouraging her on. People were just really paying attention, quiet as a mouse in the place, and then she's singing. And then when I, I sang this song for years to my children before bed, and when we got to the end, we'd say, the Bible tells me so, or I don't even know what, what, what uh, that was so out of, I, I actually can't sing, uh, but the, the Bible tells me so, I'm not going to try anymore. Uh, the Bible tells me so. And then the very last time, the Bible tells me. And then yeah, we have like a big crescendo at the end. So, you know, like that. All right. And so that's what she did. All right. And, and so the whole place goes like this. Uh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And the, it, it erupted in the house. I'm like, what is going on at Orange Blossom Bakery? A bunch of angry, sticky people sweating on each other are now cheering for a little girl singing about Jesus. And Lena, knowing her moment, this is a true story, Lena, knowing her moment, as the crowd was erupting, she goes, we will, we will rock you. And the whole place comes up, hey, we, and they're all going wild. Like, dear Lord, it's revival in Buxton. This is wild stuff. This is wild stuff. Guys, I, I'm, I'm speaking this this morning Because when we talk about the greatness of Jesus, what the greatness of Jesus, what he calls us to, and what the Spirit does when he's captured our attention, 
and capture our heart and unlock our affections, what he does is he does not make us scholars and theologians. He makes us the lovesick. He makes us the lovesick. If you're a theologian but you're not lovesick, you're not a theologian, biblically speaking. If you may teach a class, but if you're not sick with love, homesick for the capital K kingdom, you, you're, you just know things. I think when we look at the greatness of Jesus, the, the natural, biblical, heavenly response to his greatness is love sickness in his children. I think that what God is doing this way, just this day, these days, as he's blowing on the church, and he's never stopped, but he's blowing on the church, and for some reason, we're, we're awake to it, that he's blowing on the, the church new passion in the bride, new passion in the bride, that it's got to be illegal to know things, but not operate in those things that we know. Hello? Yeah. Do you want me to sing for you again? <laughs> I can but guys, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, because when we're talking about passion for Jesus, when we're talking about Palm Sunday, this is where it starts. But this is what we've lost. We don't see the outbreak of the kingdom like we should. I'm seeing it, but we've got to celebrate it, not malign it. It's the outbreak of the kingdom, the outbreak of joy again, the outbreak of gladness again. When this starts happening, do you know that Jesus told the disciples who were trying to keep children away from Jesus? He said, no, no, the kingdom of God belongs to these. The kingdom looks more like a two-year-old singing of the love of Jesus than it does us fortifying our positions. You see? We've lost this. Celebration and laughter. Kingdom. Amazement and childlike wonder over the, the wild thought that a king would love servants should get us. That should, that's, that's biblical basics of Christianity. Wonder. Believing God for the impossible. Uh, if you're here today and you don't believe that God can do miracles, then you can't believe enough to be saved because it's a miracle to have sins forgiven that you don't deserve. Guys, if God's not the God of the impossible, then we're all in a heap of trouble. But a religion would say, no, 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 no. We can get there trying by our own efforts. But I would say that, my friends, is what's impossible. I, uh, I was driving to Gettysburg this week. I saw a sign on a, on a church that said, this is Holy Week. And I was like, Amen. We will rock you, is what I said back to that church. We, yes, we will rock you. I'm with you, church. And then it says, a season of repentance. I'm like, amen. This holy week, a season of repentance. And I would, I would uh, I'm not disagreeing with that church. I keep being bold. In fact, I think holy week is maybe the greatest season all year to repent. But what I'm concerned of is the definition of repentance if we don't have in our hearts an overwhelmingly gigantic theology where we see the greatness of Jesus. What I'm concerned is that what that church meant 
or what the people reading that will perceive is that this is a season to feel really bad about yourselves, to repent. Feeling really bad never changed any person in all history. So when we hear repent, what we perceive is we got to feel really bad. Jesus did so much, we got to feel bad about that. But do you know that the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross and all the suffering for the joy set before him? Do you know that? Do you know that there's, in the darkest situation, if, in God's economy, and in God's kingdom, it's, it's for a purpose, and there's so much hope and joy, even in the darkest moment? At the heart of Christianity, listen to this, friends, at the heart of Christianity is not bad feelings. At the heart of Christianity is not shame. At the heart of Christianity is not guilt. At the heart of Christianity is not fear. Listen to this one. At the heart of Christianity is not self-hatred. I don't care who, you, who you've listened to. I don't care how many degrees they have. I don't care how many letters they have behind their name. God doesn't call us to hate ourselves into the kingdom. That's not what salvation is. That's what churches preach, but that's not what the Bible says. At the heart of repentance is a heart that sees Jesus as immeasurably greater than all other options, as immeasurably greater than all other things, as immeasurably greater than all other paths, as immeasurably greater than all other possibilities. This is the heart of the kingdom. This is the heart of repentance. So you take all the things you could have, and you combine them all, and you multiply by them by the largest number you can possibly know, and the, the sum total of all of those possibilities are not even in the same league as this man named Jesus who wants you and has opened the door so you can have him. So we go around talking about Jesus like, oh, I've got to really, I've really got to die to myself, and I really wanted to do that, but I've just got to follow Jesus. If you want to do that, but you just have to follow Jesus, you need the gospel. Because the gospel shows you that the want to do that is your old you. The new you has new spiritual taste buds to see that Jesus is better than what you formerly wanted to do. Hope this isn't flying over your heads. So here's, that's why I'm saying this is love sickness. This is love sickness. This is holy affections being Pour it out on the church. This is what's stirring in me in these days is, is a holy distaste for religion like that would be done here. And that God would just blow in this region, just blow in this region. And I want us to see Jesus again. Is that okay? Do you want to see Jesus again? A little bit, just want to see Jesus. So can I, can I, uh, that was better than when Coach Phil called us to, to worship. Three people clapped for that. 17 just clapped there. I heard. All right. I heard. We want more Jesus. 17 of us. Yeah, we got that. We, yeah, 17. How many here want free apple uglies? And we'd all go crazy for that. Thor's hammer. They're heavy, you know. Uh, so, but uh, guys, listen, Jesus wants you and he is the greatest gift you could ever have. There's joy unspeakable for your life if you have him. Unspeakable. So a season of repentance is actually a season for revival. God has worked revival into, into the calendar year for you, friends. A season to look at all the, all the things that we've, we've valued as greater than him and to say the love of the Father tells me that there's nothing better than him. I just, I just want more of God. I want more of God. So I believe that, that revival makes us alive to God in ways that we could never know him. 
a revival to his goodness, a revival to the treasure that he is, a, a, a revival to the move that he wants to blow into us. Not a focus on where you were, but where you're going. Not a focus on who you were, but who you are becoming through the gospel. And this is what I'm excited that the greatness of God breaks into the church. So I want to brag on Jesus for a few moments. The last few minutes that I have here, and I want us to together grasp his greatness. Look at Luke chapter 18. I've already lost my voice. I think I lost it to We Will Rock You, but I, I don't know if you can tell this, but I, I'm pushing it hard right now. Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 31, going to verse 34. This is good stuff. This is Jesus foretelling his, his death. I want to read this to us. It says, And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. So let's stop right there. I want you to see this. That, that Jesus is so great that he's walking in the fulfillment of his own prophecy. You see this? So Jesus isn't accidentally going to Jerusalem, being accidentally murdered, and this is not a situation where God the Father is like, oh man, that went bad. I didn't see that coming. Ouch. Well, I guess what we'll do, you take a lemon, you make lemonade. Let's use this accidental death of my son for the salvation of the universe. This isn't what the Father's doing. In fact, it was already quoted this morning. It's Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. All along, this is the plan. What is the greatest sacrifice to show the, the greatest love, to demonstrate the depth of the greatest love and lover ever? It's Jesus, the death of his son. And Jesus is the fulfillment of his own prof, uh, prophecy. We're going up to Jerusalem. Why? Because everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. In other words, God is fulfilling, fulfilling promises in front of our eyes. And I am the fulfillment of those. Jesus is the fulfillment of his own prophecy. And I love that as Jesus is going that, that he's seeing people. And one of the, my favorite people that he sees is this blind man called Bartimaeus. And he's walking along and everybody is passing Bartimaeus. They're so used to him in his season. But as he's crying out in desperation for Jesus, as he hears that Jesus is going, he's screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus sins for him. And I love that he asked Bar uh, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, he's blind. Read between the lines. But Jesus, listen, Jesus wants us to say it. He wants us to say it. Bartimaeus says, I want to see. Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Can you hear this? Jesus is so great that he comes down to the lowly. He sees us in desperate situations. We're never beyond his reach. This is Jesus. Most great people, we see them so high up here. Kings, they've got servants. They don't have time for the lowly, but not this king. This king sees roughage on the street. That's been passed for years or decades. What do you want? I want to see. That's the business that I'm in, my friend. You can see. You keep, you keep reading into Luke chapter 19. I love this one because you've got blind Bartimaeus, and he's poor that he's having to beg. But then you've got a short man named Zacchaeus that he is so wealthy that he, he's, he's just rolling in it. And he's so wealthy that he's hated and despised because he's made his wealth on the backs of the poor. 
But he wants to see Jesus. So he climbs a tree so he can get a glimpse of the man. And so here's the wonderful thing. Jesus doesn't, just doesn't see the people on the streets. Jesus sees people in trees and in mansions. Jesus loves people. Bartimaeus' sin was just as great as Zacchaeus' sin. It's just, it's easier for us in our smallness to, to despise people who have used us. But Jesus breaks through all of that stuff. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Coming to your house today. Everybody is outraged that Jesus would do such a thing. But I love this, that Jesus is, is not bureaucratic. Jesus doesn't care about how he's perceived. He cares about doing the right thing. So many of us, we don't want to do the right thing because even though it's right, it might be perceived wrong. But Jesus doesn't focus on what looks right. Jesus focuses on what is right. He's not operating in the fear of man. He sees a potential son, and he says, I'm going to your house. And Zacchaeus repents. He says, I restore everything fourfold that I've stolen. And Jesus says, this is why I came to seek and save the lost. This is a great God. This is a great God. But I love this one. This is my favorite one, that Jesus is so great that he inspires praise and joy. And let me just get you the punchline. He inspires praise and joy from image-bearing people. But if image-bearing people in his presence refuse to give the praise that they were wired to do, rocks and trees suddenly spring mouths. Because Jesus is great. And they will do what we are in the honor position of being made for. Worshiping Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 37. Here's Jesus. He's on a donkey. This is a key. He's not on a wild stallion. He's on a donkey, man. This is humble Jesus. The greatest is the humblest. Does he not blow our minds, friends? He's on a donkey, and he's riding to Jerusalem. Verse 37, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Now listen, that is the standard for our worship. Yes, some worship does need to be quiet, especially when you're by yourself. But 90% of the worship that God calls for when there's a multitude gathered is not hiding behind your style of not liking to open your mouth, but busting loose your vocal cords because Jesus is in our midst and he's great. The whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Hey, friend, yeah, this is on my heart to ask you this this morning. Maybe in your, you're in a season where you haven't recognized a great move of God in this season. I would say just think about the ones from last season. If you just can't, if you're in too much pain that you can't see him now, just remember him. This is the one time it's okay to go back. This is the one kind of the time it's okay to go back to those stones that you placed when God brought you through that trial and you set up that memorial. You go, oh, I remember that God brought us through the fire. I remember that God brought us through the flood. If I can't rejoice now with shouting, I'm going to rejoice for the greatness of what I saw Jesus do back then. But there's never a reason not to open the mouth and uncork some praise. Jesus inspires praise and joy. He inspires it. Blessed is the king, they're shouting, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, guys, there is peace in heaven. 
there is glory in the highest. Why is this, this the shout? Because God's heart is always, he wants to funnel what the great things happening in heaven, the peace and joy and glory of heaven to the people on earth that would, that would want to bask in it. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're too loud. I don't like their styles. I don't like what they're doing. And Jesus says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Do you know what Jesus is saying there in that moment? Is he's like, you still have no clue who you're dealing with. I may be on a donkey, but I made you in your mother's womb. You still have no clue who you're dealing with. He's saying, these stones that are lying here, I remember the day that I spoke them into existence. You do know that when we're reading Jesus, he's just not the coolest guy to have ever lived. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Never had a beginning. He didn't become Jesus when he was born. He always was and put on flesh in one moment of time. And here he is in all of his glorious greatness. He's wild. There's no words to describe this man. Even stones in his presence want to cry out. So he inspires praise and joy, and what you and I do is we respond to his greatness. That's why we're singing that this morning. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. We want our hearts to be alive to the greatness of God. But I love this one as we continue on, that Jesus, he hurts for the city. He hurts for the city, guys. Sometimes when I look at Hanover, it's easy for me to... uh, when I'm coming in, going south on 194, coming by the Git Mansion, looking down, you can see kind of all of Hanover, because all of Hanover is, you know, the center of Hanover is Super Walmart, of course, so I, it's right there. Every good town, it's always a Super Walmart and a Target. But as we drive down 194, you can overlook the city, and I want my heart to begin to bleed for the glory of God poured out on my, my, on my city. And here's Jesus, when, when he drew near Jerusalem, he saw the city, And what he does is he's not filled with anger and rage because they're about to kill him. He weeps over it. He weeps over it. Jesus hurts for the city. I want to read this. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. God cares for the peace of a city, guys. God cares that people operate in peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Now it's it's too late. Some of us have been saying, I'm going to put all of my faith in Jesus some other time. But for now, I want to kind of see how I do it life. Well, the time's going to come where it's too late for that. Now is the day of salvation for you, the Bible says. Today, tomorrow's just not promised. Today, I I, I wonder how many of, of your hearts need to lay hold of Jesus by faith right now in this moment and let joy rush in. So Jesus is hurting for this city, and I I love this, that not being able to see him, in other words, spiritual blindness does not make him angry, it breaks his heart. That's how great he is. Spiritual blindness does, does, does not invoke anger coming out of Jesus' mouth, but tears coming out of his eyes. This is how great he is. This is the heart of God poured out. And this is not emotionalism. Jesus' tears are not emotionalism. All right? These are sinless tears from a sinless man. This is divine response. This is the heart of the Father. People's rejection of him invokes hurt 
and the Father. So Jesus is crying from a, a broken heart over the city. But I would suggest this morning that if you're here and you're very far from God and you've been rejecting God all your life, Jesus cries over you. He's not screaming insults in your direction. Can you just think about that for a moment, guys? That you, you've got the greatest being in all the universe that wants you so bad, it brings tears to your eyes when you reject him. I would say run to that man fast. Fast. So many of us, we, we've been taught that, that what sin is, is underperforming for God. What God really wants from us is a, is a real solid performance. And I just want to say this morning that sin is valuing anything over God. Seeing anything is greater than Jesus. Preferring any, anything is better than God. And that biblical obedience is believing that God is better and greater than anything else and being motivated from that place. I'm not going to settle for second. I want first. I'm not going to settle for that. I want him. And that is biblical obedience. Wanting God more than you want anything else. His promises over you. The person of who he is for you. That he desires peace in your innermost being, salvation at the deepest part of your soul. This is Jesus, and he's not looking for a performance. When we get to the last part of this passage, am I flying fast enough? You guys good with this? Okay, I hope. He removes, Jesus removes anything unhealthy in you. You see this as Jesus comes down the mount? It's argued that he, that Jesus maybe went right to the temple or maybe he rested in the first thing in the morning. He went to the temple. The time doesn't really matter. What matters is what he did. And he went to the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and said to them, it's written, my house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And all the people were hanging on Jesus' words, even though the Pharisees want to take him out. Guys, do you know that when we read this, biblically speaking, we have to understand this is the last week that the Old Testament temple was in operation. You know this? You know this? I, I'm tired of hearing this read unbiblically. This, you can't take the temple and say, oh, that means we can't sell t-shirts in the foyer. That means we can't sell succulents for Bob's car. See, this is, the, here's the great thing. The mistake that we make is comparing our worship facilities or our gathering places to the temple when the reality is the Old Testament temple and the New Testament is us. <laughs> That's the reality. So many eyes to see what's wrong in the house. But what God wants you to do is he wants, he wants to barrel into your soul. What are you exchanging for me? What do you, where have you, where have you been to collect, where in your heart have you begun to collect funds that you want more than my presence here? This is the question. This is the question that the greatness of God would, at the answer of this question, if it was repentance, the greatness of God would rush in and take over, but we, we like what we're doing in here. Usually this hides behind criti criticalness or a spirit of criticism. We just need to look at our, ourselves, and God will take care of the rest. Anybody? Anybody? So, guys, your hearts, biblically speaking, on this side of the cross are the temple. 
And God wants to do something in us that is so amazing. Some of you may say, but man, my heart is so jacked up. It's so messed up. I haven't been near God for years. I haven't, right? God doesn't, isn't bound by time. God isn't bound by the messed upness of your heart. I promise you, he's greater than anything that you've ever done. And what he did a few days later is he paid for everything you've ever done. So guys, like the, uh, the, the battle's over. And now what you need to do is stop fighting and return to the greatness. When my wife was pregnant at 11 o'clock at night, she sent me to Turkey Hill to get uh, ice cream. And I went to Turkey Hill obediently and religiously. I was afraid of the woman, honestly. I'm telling you this. I'm, ju I'm just, I'm being honest. I was very afraid of, of the wrath of my, my pregnant but beautiful wife. I went to Turkey Hill at 11 o'clock at night, scariest place in Hanover I've ever been, all right? As I was getting out of the car, a guy comes out of the shadows and he looks at me and he's kind of nodding at me, kind of like we're old friends and I wave and he waves and he goes back to the shadows and I'm like, okay. And I go in, I get the, you know, the two for five deal, all right? Double dunker, of course, you know, and then something mint, all right? So uh, I get those, get back in the car. This guy comes back out of the shadows again. I lock my door. He pulls out a sword. This is no lie. He pulls out a sword. Cops park me in and cops and this guy with the sword start fighting. I'm serious. I'm, I'm not making this up. Read the paper. Go back a few years. Read the paper. This man with a sword had just done horrible things with it. Now he's at Turkey Hill. I'm watching all this, and the cops are fighting, and I'll never forget as they're tasing him, and he's resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. I remember what the cops were screaming. Get on your knees. Get on your knees, resisting, resisting, and resisting. Just get on your knees, just resisting and resisting. Guys, I want to tell you that your knees are the best place to welcome the greatness of Jesus into your life. Just your knees, just you, just you get there. You just say, God, like, I'm so tired of resisting. Can, can I, can, is it possible maybe that life is this simple, that you just, that you just stop resisting the goodness of God? Could it be? That life is that, so whatever you're going through, you're just welcoming him in. And he's with you and for you in every season and situation. Could it be that God is that powerful, that he's got it and striving can die and religion can be buried? You get on your knees and you say, I want to know you and your greatness. I'm tired of trying to make my own life work. This, my friends, could be your moment. And on this Palm Sunday, I want to let you know that Jesus wants you and you can have him because of what he's done on the cross. In this moment, just like he rode into Jerusalem thousands of years ago, just like he was crying over people who were resisting him, he's crying over to you, he's crying over to you, and he's riding into your world. And I just hope we're going to be the people that don't resist him. We say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Ride into my life and take over. Amen. Anybody want this? Anybody just, anybody feel that, that the spirit is blowing on this? We want this? Can we stand? Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. And Heavenly Father, as we stand, uh, we, we take our ground. And we, we just pray, God, that our hearts and our lives, God, would, would be a place where you're welcome and not resisted. I pray for people that have been under the under the lie of the enemy that they've done too much, they're too bad to be saved. 
just want you to hear today, Jesus cries over you and he's riding into your world. And I would just say, stop resisting and start reaching out. Like blind Bartimaeus say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me and he will come to your aid. God, save people right now. God, fill people right now. God, let, let old scales fall off of blinded eyes. Let, let old hearts be broken. God, let the religious pharisaical spirit that insists that we know everything, but our hearts have never been captured. That I pray for anybody who's not lovesick. People that have never received the love of God and they have nothing to give away but except for effort. I just pray that these will be days, God, where the Father's heart and love through Jesus, through the cross, is poured in, and we get to see the greatest demonstration of the Father's love, that God, while we were still sinners, sent his son to die for us. God, save people now. Save people now. And in fact, even in this moment, if you're like, I've been running from God, resisting God, I want God right now. I'm putting my faith in God. I'm turning from everything that's second rate. That's called sin. And I'm receiving everything that God has for me. In this moment, I want you to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. I just wanted you to tell him that right now. Jesus, I'm yours. We're yours, God. We just welcome you into hearts. We welcome you into this temple. We welcome you in. We bless you, Father. We praise you. We're thankful for you. We are yours. Thank you, God, that you're blowing on us in these days, and we just hoist sails to catch your move. You're the pastor of this church. You're the Lord of heaven and earth, and we just want you. And we pray this with a loud, very excited shout of amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Guys, give the Lord praise.